Boker Tov, and welcome again to our continuing series of Dafyomi. We are now in the final mission of the first chapter of Masachat Chagiga, and we'll be finishing the parak this morning. Uh, the Mishnah on Daf Yod Amur Aleph states, what we're going to see in this Mishnah, and the reason it's here, is because of something in the second category. There's three categories of areas of halacha, uh, which have a uh, varied rate of anchoredness in the written text. Uh, there's certainly room to speculate to what extent this Mishnah is some sort of a response to Sadducean claims about uh, the tradition. But we'll leave that for another form. Uh, so the first category, which has only one item in it, is Heternadarim, which is the ability to go to a Chacham and have him release a, uh, a vow. Heternadarim porchin ba'avir. These are things that are up in the air. They have no text to rely upon. It's a Mesorah, Torah but there is no text in Torah Shavichtav that they are anchored in. We will see several challenges to this at the beginning of the Gemara. There's three things that belong to category number two, and they are the laws of Shabbat. We'll see which specific laws of Shabbat and Chagiga, which is why it's here, and Mi'ilah, trespass of the Kodesh. These are like mountains that are held by a thread. In other words, they have minimal text in the Torah and many, many halachot. These five belong now to the third category, which is uh, criminal law and avodah in the Beit HaMikdash, tahara and Tumah, and arayot, illicit relations. We're going to later fix it to read hein vehein gufei Torah. But these are things that are well anchored in the text and they have what to rely on. Now the statement that says they have what to rely on indicates that there are some things in each one of these categories, dinim, tumah, in these one of these disciplines, dinim, tumah, tahara, avodah, and arayot, that are not explicitly written in the text, and, uh, and that are part of the Mesorah, um, and yet they are still, because the entire body is well anchored in the text, in any case, they're all gufei Torah. So let's start with the first one, which is Heter Nadari. Tanya, of Eliezer Omer, Rebelezer disagrees and says that Hetan Udarim really is well anchored in the text. What is that? Look at Pesukim number 1 and 2. Pesuk number 1 is from the end of Ayikra, where it says that if a person yafli, if a person expresses explicitly a desire to donate the uh, value of a person to Hashem, and the second Pasuk, which is the same exact phrasing, and that is talking about Nizirut. Rebelezer says, Yafli ki yafli twice, shtei pamim, why does it say it twice? Hachan afla'ali, yisur v'achan afla'ala heter. Instead of tell you that just as a, an explicit expression can create the prohibition, an explicit expression can create a release from the prohibition, and therefore heter narim is well anchored in the text. That's opinion number one. Uh, Rabbi Shua Mer, Yeshna al-Yishmoch, Rabbi Shua has a different source. And Hashem says, uh, I have taken an oath with my anger that these people will not come into the land. And the notion he has is, I took an oath in my anger, and then I changed my mind, and I ultimately allowed Bnei Israel to enter Eretz Israel. So you see that a neder, even a neder of HaKadosh Baruch who can be released. 
Rabbi Yitzchak Omer Yeshlamah Mashi Smoch, he's got a third proof. Shemar Kol Nadiv Libo, this is in the description of the gifts brought to the Mishkan, all those <coughs> whose heart had moved them. Meaning the idea was that even people who had taken an oath to bring it were not fully committed except that they were moved by the Spirit. In other words, they could get released from their oath. Chananya ben Achir Bishu Omer, Chananya was the nephew of Yeshua, a famous story about him at the end of Masachet Brachot, which is, I have taken an oath and I will fulfill your laws. Mashma, that I took an oath and I could get released from the oath, but no, I'm rather I'm going to fulfill them. I'm reviewing our Shmuel. So Shmuel made the following comment about this collection of proofs that goes against our Mishnah. Shmuel said, if I were there at that time, I would have said I got a better proof. Shinamar lo yachel dvaro. Pasuk, number six on the page, at the beginning of the parsha of Nedarim in Parsha Matot, says, lo yachel dvaro. He is not allowed to profane his word or to violate his words. What's the drasha? He cannot violate or forgive his words, but others can, and that's Hatzar Chachamim. Good. So Amar Rava, so Rava made a comment now, three generations later, on what Shmuel said. All of the opinions of the Tanoim could be challenged, and the interpretation of Sukim could be read differently. Shmuel's is the only one who really stands the test. So let's go through them. The Emid Rabbalazar, the first one, which is Rabbalazar, said, Kiafli, Kiafli, says, Maybe perhaps, perhaps uh, the reason for Kiafli in the case of Nazir, is not there to allow for hafla'ah leheter, but rather, like Rabbi Yehuda Shema Mishum HaMitarfon, not Rabbi Yehuda Shema Mishum HaMitarfon, Yolam Yenachad Miyam Nazir Shalanan Nazirut HaLaflah. A special halacha in the case of Nazirut, that if, uh, let's say, a person is walking by, and a, two guys are standing together, and one guy says, I am a Nazir if that guy is a Nazir, and the other guy says, I am a Nazir if that guy is not a Nazir. So Rabbi Tarfon said, neither one of them is a Nazir. Why? Because Nazirut demands hafla'ah. What's hafla'ah? Explicit, unequivocal expression. Not a conditional statement or anything of the sort. So in other words, the, the phrase ki afli is not there to allow for another expression, in this case an expression of heter, but rather it's there to, to identify that you only become obligated as a Nazir with a clear and unequivocal statement. Good. Uh, if we take Rabbi Shua's uh, pasuk in Tehilim, maybe Hashem said, I took an oath, and therefore I've not changed my mind. And indeed, that generation did not go into the land. It was only the children who went into the land. If uh, it is like Rabbi Yitzchak who said um, that uh, it's called a bow. Maybe maybe it's just there to go to go against Shmuel's opinion. Shmuel says if you make a commitment to bring something to the Hakdesh, you also have to make an oral commitment. Uh, an internal commitment is not enough. So therefore, Rabbi Yitzchak says, "Call the divli or shall we say, we say that the pasuk "Call the divli is there to tell you that if you made a commitment in your heart, you're already chayiv. Um, if you're going to take the pasuk, famous halacha of Rav, 
How do you know that it is both okay and perhaps even laudatory to take an oath to push you to be Mekayim Mitzvah? The same Pasuk from Tehillim. So it's not there to say that even though I took an oath, I could still get out of it because Heter the Darim, but rather to say that it's acceptable and it's perhaps even a good thing. And this is a, a Sugya in the Darim, uh, as to what on what exactly the nether is chal, if you're already chayiv to do the mitzvah. But in any case, perhaps that's the limud. But Shmuel's statement has no challenge. They can stand up. That's why people say, That's why they say one sharp pepper is a lot better than a whole basket of uh, dull squash. But one good fort is, uh, is outshines them. If you recall, we had the same exact discussion of Zion in Megillah. All the different proofs that Esther was written by Ruach HaKodesh. And Shmuel, again, was the one at the end said, all those Tanaim, uh, I, had, I had a better one to say, which was Kimu Kiblu. And in the end, we had the same comment, that his was the only one who withstood any challenges, or there were no challenges presented. Good. The second category on the page is Hilchot Shabbat, is, uh, is things that are anchored in the text, but have little text and much halachot, but they have some anchoring. First one is Hilchot Shabbat. What do you mean? Michtav Ketivan. It says, Lo Tasekomalachat. It says that in the Torah. So, Lo Tzrichalachat Rabbi Yabin. There's a particular nuance of Hilchot Shabbat, which is not in the text. And it's exemplified by the following case. Dama Rabbi Yabin. Chofer Gumar V'Shabbat and Tzrichalachat. If you dig a hole in Shabbat, which is a subset of Choresh, of, uh, of plowing, but if you dig such a hole and all you need is the dirt, you didn't need the hole, you need the dirt, Patur Aleha. So then you're exempt. Now that is something that is not written explicitly in the Torah. That is kechuta talui b'sara, kaharim atalui b'sara, like mountains held by a thread. Well, wait a second. Keman k'rabi Shimon. That only follows Rabbi Shimon's opinion. Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yudah have machloket. What happens if you take a mate out of the house? Rabbi Shimon says you're potter for caring. Because after all, you don't want the mate there, you just want the mate not here. And that's called the Malacha Shenetzricha Legufa. Rabbi Yudah says, Malacha Shenetzricha Legufa, Malacha, where you're fully in- intending to do the thing you're doing. This has nothing with Dovar Shenemit Kavin. But you're doing a Malacha in which your end purpose is not the typical end purpose of the Malacha, but something else, a, 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 an ancillary benefit. Rabbi Yudah says, Yechayim. So that means you're going to tell me that our Mishnah, which says that Hot Shabbat are hanging by a thread, that's only according to Rabbi Shimon, because according to Rabbi Yudah, Malacha Machshavit is a regular Malacha. The answer is, I feel the Rabbi Yudah, even Rabbi Yudah would agree in this case. Hata Metakein, when you move the mate out, there's some sort of uh, constructive benefit. Hacha Makalkahu, here you're digging a pit, all you're doing is wrecking your backyard. So even Rabbi Yudah would agree that you're Patur in such a case. So why is this considered like mountains hanging by a thread? Because the answer is, the Torah only forbade when it came to Shabbat, Malachat Machshevet. In other words, Malacha, where your end goal is the purpose of the Malachat. That's not written. Good. The next one on the list of things that are Kaharina Klin Misara are Chagigot. Chagigot, Nikhtav Tiva, the Torah says, Shivat Yamim Tachog. Samachta Bechagecha, it's all written. So, Lot Srikha, the Chanamalai, Papa Labayi. How do I know that the Pasuk regarding uh, Pesach says, I'm sorry, this is regarding Sukkot. 
how do I know that that pasuk refers to um, refers to uh, a korban? Uh, maybe Hashem said, have a party. So you're going to tell me also that the word lachug, the verb lachug, when Hashem says to Moshe, tell Paro that I want B'nai Israel to come out in the Midbar via chuguli. Maybe Hashem is saying, just come out and have a party. If you want to suggest that that's the case, and part of the negotiations between Moshe and Paro, Moshe said to Paro, you're going to send out korbanot with us. Maybe this is what Hashem said. Maybe meant, come on out and have a party and eat and drink, but not korbanot. You can't say that, because the Torah says in several places, The fat of my Chag should not stay on the Mizbeach all till morning. So that obviously a Chag man is a Korban. What is a, uh, a uh, festival have fat? doesn't make sense. So maybe the Torah means this. These are all straw men because we know what we're going to end up with. Maybe it means means the fats that are brought during the holiday. But Chag still means a holiday. She's going to tell me that the only time that we have to get the fats off for the Mizbeach by morning is on a Chag, but otherwise we can leave them there. The Torah says that uh, even with an Olah, that it has to be done by, that, by morning. No, perhaps that pasuk is just saying, and I say, to have it be burned up by morning. So maybe is there just to tell you that there's a love of having the chelav stay all, uh, all night on the mizbeach and then even until morning on, on the chag. We have another pasuk for that. Not allowed to leave it over until morning. Right, so there is already a lav. So maybe it's written in order to say that on the Chag, there's two lavim, plus the Yasei. Right, so clearly we're not going to, to get full satisfaction in saying that we know for sure that a Chagotemotom means bring korbanot. The answer is that we get it from the word midbar. In Moshe's negotiations with Paro, he said, let them do a Chag in the Midbar. And in the Sefer Amos, it says, uh, did you offer me Zvachim and Mincha in the Midbar? Uh, so we know that they're both Zvachim. So why do you now call it Mahing by thread? You've got a good Pasuk. The answer is, Divei Torah and Divei Kabbalah, to infer the meaning of word in the Torah from its use in Nevi'im is something which is not explicit in the Torah. And therefore it's considered, in other words, Chagigot, meaning the interpretation of the word V'yachoguli, meaning bringing a korban instead of just having a, a, a party, that is Karina Tluin Bisara. Good. The third and final item in category number two is Mi'ilot, trespassing against the Kodesh. Classic case of Mi'ilah is when you have money that's hektesh money, or it's a classic example, and you go and use it for your own purposes. Now, the halach of me'ilah is your only moel if it's b'shogeg. And we'll see as follows. Me'ilod, mi'chtav k'tiva. There's all parsha about me'ilah, in the end of Vayikra, in the end of Parsha Vayikra. 
we're going to have several suggestions here. The first suggestion is a very straightforward one, which is the Chiddush of Shlichut Ma'al. If the Balabai tells, uh, tells somebody in his house, go take that money and go to the store and buy something for me, and it turns out the money is Hektesh, and the Shliach did exactly what the Balabayit said. The Balabayit is Chayiv Me'ilah, not the Shliach, which is somewhat unconventional because we generally hold that Ein Shliach Lidvar Avera. If a Shliach does an Avera, he's not considered a Shlichut, he's considered the agent. Good. But if he does it differently, the guy says, take that money, he takes the different money, he says, go buy bread, he goes buy his wine, whatever it is, then Shliach Ma'al. So how come if the Shliach did it properly, Balabayit has his moel. What the shleach does, the the iser and the balabayit chayav. So there, that's why this is something that's hanging by a thread. It has no model elsewhere in the Torah. So I'm a rava. My kushia rava says that's not such a big deal. Dilma shani meila dilma de yalfa chet chet mitrumah. Take a look on the psukim. They're not on in the text. Psukim on the page, which are pasuk number. Uh, 13 and 14, you see the word chait in Meila and chait in truma. And this is a sugi also in the second parak of Kiddushin. You see, you see um, chait, chait, one in truma, one in Meila. Uh, and mahatam And what do we know about truma from pasuk number uh, 15? From the words gam atem, we know that a shliach is effective for purposes of truma. Alright? So that means that just like a shliach is effective for purposes of truma, I send a shliach to take truma, it's valid truma. Same way, if I send my shliach to do me'ila, it's really considered me'ila. Right? So, so that's not a chiddush. Um, so now, El Amarava, Sarava comes up with his own solution. We need it for the following. Let's say the shaliach sent the balabayit out to go buy him something, and afterwards the shaliach, the balabayit remembered, oh, that money was hektish money. But the shaliach didn't know about it. Shaliach ma'al. Then the shaliach is chayv from Meila. So shaliach anya ma'ika avid. What, what do we want from the shaliach? He didn't know anything. That's the weird thing about it that's hanging by a thread. So Malashi, Marakusha, Ravashi turns around and says, well, that's not so difficult. If you have a bunch of money in your house, and some of it's from Otekdesh, and you pick some up, and it turns out by accident you took the, the Hektesh money, and you go to the store and buy something, you're chayev for it, even though you didn't know. So we already have a model for that. We'll come back to this in a couple minutes. Alam Ravashi, so Ravashi comes up with a third solution. It's for this following Mishnah. If you pick up a beam or a stone of Hektesh, that's not Meila. It's an Alachavir, but if you give it to your buddy, Humaal. Your your friend who you gave it to, is not chayv for meila. So if your friend took it, why are you different than your friend? This is the weirdness or the innovative piece, which is hanging by a thread. So my kusha, why is that so difficult? Maybe that mission should be interpreted like Shmuel. We're talking here not about a regular guy. But about the uh, treasure of the Beit Hamikdash, who is uh, who is in charge of watching these things. Everywhere they're sitting, they're sort of in his purview. So when he picks them up, there's nothing until he hands them to another guy. That's why the meal happens. Elami Seifa. It's from the second part of that Mishnah that says, If he took this rock and built it into his house, 
It's not meila until you live in the house a shavapruta worth of of, of hanah. If it's a rental, however you figure it out, it's obviously not very long, but you do have to get some benefit. Since after all you built it into your house, you already made a shinui, which should be the kinyan right away. Mali dar mali lodar. Who do I care if you sleep there or don't sleep there? That's the innovative nature. So my kusha, the Gemara says, maybe this is a case like Rav. This is talking not where you actually built it in the house, but you put it in front of the window. So it's only if you live there and you actually got benefit because you didn't do any shinui to it. We go back to our second answer, which is talking about when the shliach, when the Balabayit afterwards remembered that it was Ma'ot Hektesh, and the Shliach didn't know, and the Shliach's Chayev, and you think it's the same as using Ma'ot Hektesh T'chulin? Hata made a Yadidi because it was a Hektesh. Remember, in that case, I knew in my house some of this money was Hektesh. And, I should have been more careful and looked to make sure I wasn't taking the wrong stuff. Hacha mi here, you don't know that. You didn't know anything. The guy gave you money, you went out and you spent it. Uh, you had no reason to think any of it was hektish. That's the strangeness. It's This part I totally left off the page because I ran out of room. But So the Mishnah says that, that that second category has minimal text and many halachot. Tana negaim halot. We have a Tana who says that negaim, which is sarat, you know, leopard, scale disease, whatever it's called, and halot, the laws of tumat ohel. Those have minimal text and lots of uh, and lots of halachot. Well, anybody paying attention to this week's parsha will testify that it is not minimal text. And those of us who are the Bali Kriya certainly know it's not minimal text to describe the tzarat. It's very lengthy text. lots of text. Here's what he meant. Negoim have lots of text and not a whole lot of oral tradition, and Oalot has the exact opposite. Mainaf Kamina, what's the value of knowing that? The answer is if you're not sure about something about Nagoim, look in the Tanakh. If you're not sure about something about Oalot, you go to the Mishnah, because that's in each of those places where you're going to find most of the information. So, the third and final category of the Mishnah was those things that are very well anchored. But there's some oral tradition that is has what to rely on. So the first one is dinin, criminal cases. So it's all in the Torah. It's based. It's it's needed for Rebbe's Russia. Uh, famous pasuk that we have, pasuk number sixteen on the page, that if there is somebody is killed, then you give nefesh tachat nafesh. This is killed inadvertent uh, manslaughter. Mamon. The answer is uh, nefesh does not mean you kill somebody. In this case, it means that you have to pay reparations. How do I know it's reparations and not really killing? Here it says, in this case, it says elsewhere that you have to give. That's always reparations. Alright, good. But the Mishnah says that avodot have some things that they rely on the text. They're all in the text. You have to remember that there's four steps in the Avodah, four Avodot that are done with a with a korban. That's Shechita, Kabbalat Adam, receiving the Dam in the vessel, Holachat Adam, walking into the Mizbeach, and then Zrikat Adam, putting it on the Mizbeach. Now, 
that's critical to know that those are all four avodot because if you botch up the machshava in any of those avodot, it botches up the korban, depending on many details in there. Tanya vikrivu We have a pasuk that says that Aharon, Ne Aharon, right after the shechita, it says that they bring the dam close. Well, they haven't yet gotten the dam, so vikrivu there means that you receive the dam in the vessel. And later on, the Torah, the later Pasuk, which is Pasuk number um, 18 on the page, it says, um, it says that the Hikriv, uh, that he will bring it close. And what is that referring to? That's referring to Holacha. Bringing the chetiv, all the according to the calling of the grand zechal, no more zuah lachat every mekadesh. That's referring to bringing the parts of the animal to the ramp. Remember, lachal lo tapka michal kabbalah. So why does the Torah use the same verb lachriv for kabbalat adam and for holachat adam? Tell you that holacha is also an avodah. Right. So that is something that's not explicit in the text. Taharot it says taharot. All the deans of the name of tahara are written. It's there to tell you that the shear of mikvah, which is not explicitly written, is anchored in the text. So look to it. He has to, in one of the cases of Tzvila, this is a Zab, has to wash his body in water. Why does it say his body? It called the Saro, all of his body, meaning water that your entire body could fit in. And the Chachamim, they estimated it's one ama wide, one ama long, three ama deep, and do the math. That comes out to forty sa'a. That is not written explicitly in the text, but it's anchored. Tumot, what are tumot? Torah says all sorts of things are tamei. The minimal shear that a sheretz, one of the rodents, if it dies, and you touch it, the minimal shear that has to be there to create tuma is the size of a lentil. The Tanya Bahem, take a look at the uh, the last Pasuk, is really two Pasukim next to each other. So Bahem means I might think that you have to touch the entire thing. Therefore it says of them. I might think therefore you can touch even the smallest bit, or you have the smallest bit size left. You have to touch a, a piece that is as big as an entire thing could be in its smallest uh, size. Because a chomet, which is one of the rodents, starts out at that tiny size. So therefore, that's the smallest size you can have that could actually be an entire animal. He says the shear is like a lizard's tail. All right, the last one on the list was Arayot, Michtav Ketivan. It's needed for a, if a man uh, has, illicit, has relations with a woman who's not married, not married to him either, and later on he's chayved to marry her, but whether he does or not, the daughter who is the real, fruit of that union is asur to him, and that's not written anywhere in the Torah. It's learned, take a look in Rashi, you could see in the parsha of Ariot, that connect uh, the, your, the daughter of your the, uh, your daughter with a woman who's not your wife, who is also usher to you. Now, the fact that her that that, that girl's daughter is usher to you at bat bin, at bat and, and, and bat bincha, 
That's explicit in the text. But the daughter herself, and we cannot learn it from a Kavachomer, because ain onshim uh, adin and ain Take a look at the Rashi here. So that's why these things are anchored in the text, but these things are relying on an oral tradition. The end of the Mishnah said, Hen hen gufei Torah. Only the last things are gufei Torah. The first things aren't. Switch the Vav. And it says, these and those both are gufei Torah. Whether they are, they are basically anchored in oral tradition, basically anchored in the written text. So if we have finished uh, the first parak. And we also show tomorrow we're going to begin the study of Ain Dorshim.